Welcome to an audio teaching from Windsor Park Baptist Church in Auckland, New Zealand. If you would like to look at the message notes or see some questions for reflection that take their lead from today's teaching, head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and head to the online tab where you'll see services and series and you can download different resources from there. Thanks for joining us and we hope you're encouraged by today's teaching. Kia ora everybody. I'm going to give you a bit of a history lesson today. It goes back to 1816 in the town of Roquaromarie in southern France. Two eight-year-old boys were playing with a gun when one of the boys accidentally shot the other through his hand. As a result, Placide Capriot had his right hand amputated and was thereafter unable to follow his father into the family business as a cooper. And a cooper is someone who makes wine casks and barrels, which you obviously need two hands for. With the need to forge a new career, Caprio trained to be an academic and a lawyer, and with an artistic streak in his DNA, he also became a bit of an amateur poet. You've probably never heard of Placide Caprio, but if we were to fast forward to December 1847, the now 23-year-old Caprio is on a train heading towards Paris. His parish priest had asked him if he could compose some lyrics to a Christmas-themed text that the priest had given him, which was a bit of an ask for an atheist and self-described budding socialist. But nonetheless, sitting on a train with nothing else to do, he penned some words based on his head knowledge of the Christmas story. Those words were then passed to composer Adelphi Adam, who was asked to put the words to music so that the song could be sung by opera singer Emily Larie on Christmas Eve, accompanied by the church's newly renovated organ. You see the flow. The song, Canta Cui di Noel, was subsequently performed at the small church in Roquarmori on Christmas Eve 1847. In 1855, American Jewish musician John Sullivan Dwight translated the words of Canta Cui di Noel into English and the title of the song became known as O Holy Night. The song became an instant hit in the genre of Christmas music, until just a few years later when church leaders declared the carol unsuitable for Christmas services for its lack of musical flavour and the stark absence of religious spirit. Of course, the real reason was that the church leaders discovered that the song had been written by an atheist author and a Jewish musician neither of them being considered worthy enough to create a song that might be popular, neither of them fitted the box that they were expected to fit in at that time. The band, though, was short-lived. Apparently, it was lifted after an incident during the Franco-Prussian War in 1870. The story goes that during a lull in battle, a French soldier jumped up out of his trench, stood in full view of his enemies, and sung Cantique de Noël. Not one shot was fired at him. The Germans were so moved that one of their soldiers then stood up and sung one of Martin Luther's hymns, and nobody fired a shot at him either. It resulted, as the story goes, in the armies of both sides honouring a 24-hour Christmas truce. By 1933, O Holy Night has succeeded in gaining mass recognition in the contemporary music industry, 
And for the last 90 years, Oh Holy Night has been one of the most popular Christmas songs of all time, being used by many artists and featured in albums and stage shows. It's won too many awards to count, and in spite of multiple controversies and multiple instances when it had to be sanitized to suit the narrative of the church, Oh Holy Night has carved a niche of its own in musical history. And here's the thing. I find it remarkable and quite profound that a song written by an atheist has become one of the most loved Christmas songs in history. It just goes to show that God can and does use people to tell his story that are well outside what we would expect in our sometimes small-minded view of how God works. I love that God does things well outside my understanding. And in fact, it gives me a thrill of hope that despite my fragilities and my insecurities, God might just use me a little bit for his purposes. And for that matter, he might also use you. He might use atheists to advance the cause of Christ, probably much to their annoyance. This is the beauty of Christmas. As reflected in the song, O Holy Night, the simplicity of a baby in a manger, the innocence of Mary and Joseph, the purposes of God were being outworked in ways that were totally opposite to what everyone expected. The thrill of hope meant that a weary world rejoiced. Well, the story of Christmas is so well known, I wonder what part you and I might have to play by being those who today live in the reality of the transformative nature of what Christmas represents. And what I love is that the scriptures are full of people who are unnamed and perhaps considered insignificant in the scheme of what we read, but actually contributed to something much bigger than they might have ever imagined or understood. Here are a few examples. Firstly, in the Old Testament story of Saul that we read in 1 Samuel, we read this in chapter 16, verses 14 to 23. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. It's an interesting thing to think about another day. Saul's attendant said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you, and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, Fine, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and he's a fine looking man and the Lord is with him. And from this conversation, a young shepherd boy by the name of David was summoned to come and bring his lyre and play for the king. And David's journey to fulfill his anointing as the future king of Israel was set into motion. Who set this chain of events up? <laughs> who knew of a young shepherd who was a touch musical? A servant by the name of... Well, no one knows the servant's name. And yet, unnamed servant was the catalyst for a series of events that have shaped the world as we know it. This Christmas, who was the person that you can encourage to find hope? Who is the person you can recommend to discover how they can use their God-given gifts for God's purposes? 
Imagine your actions, your support, your recommendation, how they could radically transform our world through someone else. Secondly, we can look at a story I'm sure that most of you know that is called the feeding of the 5,000. Interestingly, this story is the only miracle apart from the resurrection that is recorded in all four Gospels, in Matthew 14, in Mark 6, in Luke 9, and in John 6. And it's only in one of the Gospel accounts, the Gospel of John, do we learn who provided the five small barley loaves and two small fish. His name? Boy. John chapter 6, verse 9. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many, the disciples asked. In this story, we can see that sometimes God just uses unnamed, ordinary people who are going about their ordinary lives to be catalysts for Him, to do powerful things that create stories which are then passed down from generation to generation. In this case, a boy who who selflessly was prepared to offer everything he had to Jesus. Can you imagine the look on the boy's face after seeing how his small offering was miraculously used to feed thousands of people? This is what Jesus can do when we're prepared to offer all of ourselves to him. Which, of course, is one of the greatest challenges for those of us who say that we follow Jesus. An unnamed boy has filled the history books with a selfless act of love for his neighbors. How are our acts of generosity going? Or perhaps what are we holding back from the God that prevents other lives being exposed to the power of Jesus? The third story, when we think about the story of the birth of Jesus, we know that there were many characters involved. Some of them don't have a name, like the innkeeper that we see in Christmas productions. I wonder what his name was. He takes great prominence in at least giving Mary and Joseph an option, even though not a great option, but nonetheless, his provision enabled space that has been quite well documented over the years. Uh, To suggest there was an innkeeper, though, was to make a bit of a judgment about what's actually not written in Scripture, because actually there's no evidence in the Bible that there was an innkeeper at all, but... Let's not allow the facts to get in the way of a good story. Luke chapter 2 verse 7 simply says, She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. We assume there was an innkeeper. We could tell many more stories of unnamed or in the eyes of the way that our world judges insignificant people who have in fact played significant roles in the work of God's in our world. For the vast, vast majority, this is our role. All of us have a part to play in bringing the joy of Christmas to those who need to hear it, to those who are weary, to those who feel like they have little to rejoice about, to those who need the thrill of hope. And if an atheist could write a song that brings us to into a a spiritual place that is very heavenly, then each one of us has something that we can contribute to the lives of others. I wonder how God might want us to be at work in this last week leading up towards Christmas. Maybe a word of encouragement to someone. Maybe just a look of love. Maybe a carefully chosen gift. Maybe a prayer of the heart. Maybe a prayer in the office. Maybe an invitation to bring someone to church with us. 
whatever it is, we all have something to offer. If the song, O Holy Nights, with all of its history can transform the world, imagine what God can do through his sons and daughters. Sons and daughters like you and me who proclaim to know Emmanuel, God with us, who claim to know the the living hope, Jesus Christ. We might not feel that we're very significant in the scheme of things, but if we know Jesus, if we know the story that Christmas represents, we have a part to play. This week, with one week to go, I want to encourage us all to think about what part can we play? How can we live out the story that we claim to have such prominence in our lives, a story that is being told through the music played in our malls, in our supermarkets, through the the stories that are told at the end of school productions and all kinds of different environments. This is a very unique opportunity for us. God uses all of us. And I want to encourage you to seek his heart. Think about the gifts and the abilities that you have. Even for those of us who feel very insignificant in that space, we have a part to play. And I pray that this Christmas, all of us together, well, we might discover the beauty of what O Holy Night represents. The thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices, fall on our knees. Might we be full of worship for a God who works in miraculously powerful ways, in ways we understand and in most ways that we don't. To Him be your glory this Christmas as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, history is our teacher. And we look back across centuries of your history. We remember a story this Christmas time that's been around for a couple of thousand years, prophesied for thousands of years before that as well. And we acknowledge your hands upon our world. And we think of the song, O Holy Night, and it's, it's history. The person that wrote it who didn't even know you, but you have used that song. And you still use it today as the lyrics resonate in so many hearts. So, Father, I pray that this week, as we go through the rhythms of wherever the road may lead us, that we would be your hands and your feet. That for those of us that know this story so well, we would live this story so well. That we might be unnamed in the bigger story of the universe but that the effect that we can have on others can be very profound. So lead us to be people whose words, whose actions, whose attitudes have influence beyond what we understand and help us to accept that responsibility to represent you. We pray that you will continue to be at work in ways that we can and can't see for the sake of your kingdom and not ours, for the sake of your glory and not ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And as we finish today, it's obviously appropriate that we would listen to the song to which history I have given you, O Holy Night. And as we listen to the song, as we're inspired by it, might you think of its history? God has used this song to change lives. Might we think about what this week will hold for us? 
We're going to listen to a version by our favourite band of 2023, Maverick City. <laughs> we love their music, we love their style. Might the words of this song be an act of worship for us? But might we allow those lyrics to continue the process of transformation in our lives? To Him be the glory this week. We look forward to joining you next week, Christmas Eve, for our online Windsor Park service. Let's listen to O Holy Night. God bless. Have a great week.
Thank you for joining our audio teaching today. If there are ways that we can continue to support you or help you in your journey, please reach out to us. Head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz, and you'll find various ways to contact us. God bless.